Welcome to the Origins of Home podcast. It is yet another recording day and I'm here at the studio, which is my, actually my bedroom, so makeshift studio, but production value is is going up a notch with every single piece of content that I produce. At least that's my goal. So I hope that my editing skills have improved from the... Um, from the 10th episode to this one. So this is episode number 11, and as you can gather from the title, today we're going to talk about Harry Potter and how I think it actually relates to a stronger, deeper message. So Harry Potter is a story about a wizard boy in a world full of magic, that's for sure. But it's also a story about love, defeating evil, and um, the gospel. In this episode, I'll make the case that Harry Potter is actually a great evangelistic story. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Origins of Home podcast. I am Mariana Venceslao and I am your host. In the Origins of Home, we are contemplating home, family and life. Join the journey to become a better steward of the skills, resources, and relationships we have. Well, how, how do we begin? Let's start with a disclaimer. People who can't find the good in the message as Paul instructs us to do in the Bible and people who want to stick to a more narrow-minded view of the world don't even bother listening. Um, now that we got my signature brutal yet loving horse kick out of the way, let's dive in. First, I love a good fantasy story, and I grew up with Harry Potter. I love the books, I love the movies, and I, I just really like the story. I'll try not to go too deep into the lore or use too um, many story-specific terms, in the hopes that those unfamiliar with the story can also grasp the the general general idea that I'm trying to convey. But for now, a little bit of, of, of backstory in specific terms, let's just say that I'm clearly, clearly a Ravenclaw. And the Ravenclaw symbol is an eagle, not a raven. So yeah, even the wizarding world got it wrong, but the books describe it as an eagle, and I will take that to the grave. Um, But since 2020, I took the test again, and it seems like Hufflepuff has been creeping into the ranks. So I'm starting to value more of the Hufflepuff values as of 2020. And that is showing up on on my sorting quizzes. That's not all we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about, for those unfamiliar with the story, The main story arc concerns Harry Potter's struggle against Lord Voldemort, which is the most powerful dark wizard to ever exist. And this dark wizard intends to become immortal, overthrow the wizarding governing body, um, which is known as the Ministry of Magic. And he wants to subjugate all living humans, both wizards and muggles, which are the non-magical people, you and I, to be clear. I don't think the story is real, but I'm going to refer to us as muggles. And however, on top of this 
overarching story that I just summarized. There are many subplots, there are many details within this main story arc that I think are great parallels with the overarching narrative of the Bible. And through the course of my life, in various settings, I have found that using examples from pop culture can be a great way of approaching a non-Christian person to, to start a conversation about redemption, about why we need salvation and all that. So yeah, using pop culture, I've found that it's a good way to sometimes introduce a conversation about a more complex topic, such as why you need to be saved. Yeah, so I just think, why not use pop culture? Why not use these resources to to our favor? Why not use it to with the purpose of creating conversations that bring people closer to Jesus? So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, about the disclaimer, I know I'm, I made a point to make the disclaimer kind of a, a brutal honesty type of thing, but... I do understand that there are people of faith who find it, how can I put it, who find it disturbing, who find it confrontational, um, to put it like that, to, to quote Harry Potter or to even watch Harry Potter or read it. And there are many other pieces of media or many other, many other stories that some people in the faith seem to think are sinful to put it bluntly i am more on the let's use what's out there in culture that's not blatantly sinful as in promoting say murder let's take the stories that are available and use them in favor of spreading the gospel so that's where i that's where i lay in these um kind of kinds of discussions and if you disagree with me that's fine just don't bother listening to this episode because i don't think you're going to get much value out of it but if you came here and you're not a christian welcome i'm happy to have you here and if you want to talk about it please let me know uh why do i keep making the point that harry potter is an evangelistic story is again there are many things in the story that jk rowling herself the author and the creator of the Harry Potter world and the characters in the story, she has mentioned time and again that some aspects of the story um, have their or were influenced. Some aspects of the story were influenced by biblical stories. Um, and I can remember off the top of my head one example, which is the epitaph. Is that the way you pronounce it? I'm not sure. But the, the tombstone... That's a better way to put it. Um, the tombstone on Harry's parents' grave is actually a verse, a literal biblical verse. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 26. And that is the, the, the saying engraved on the tombstone of Harry's parents. And this biblical verse is actually the, the message in this verse is actually spread throughout the story of Harry Potter. So what I meant to do today is give a little bit more context 
to the story, again, without going too much into detail. And then pointing out just the the six, maybe seven points that I've found, the way I view it is they point to the biblical story. And so let's use that. Why not to, to make conversation with people who aren't familiar with the gospel, who don't already follow Jesus? Okay, so the boy who lived, which is Harry, the, the main character. Why is he called the boy who lived? Because at age one, his parents and his house, actually his family, suffered an attack by Voldemort. Again, the, the most powerful dark wizard at the time. And Voldemort killed his parents right before trying to kill Harry as well. And he used the killing curse, which is a very powerful spell that can't be um, blocked, essentially. And no one can survive it. But Harry mysteriously survives the killing curse. No one had ever done that before. And so he became famous and Voldemort was defeated. And Harry was sent off to live with his aunt and uncle and his cousin away from the world that he was from, right? So Christians out there, you're already seeing some some parallels, aren't you? He was cast off. He was sent to live in a world that was suboptimal because he wasn't in the context or in the place that he was originally from. And he couldn't use his abilities because he just didn't know they were there. And he lived in a non-magical world. And that went on for 10 years. He lived with his um, relatives for 10 years, completely unaware that he was a wizard. And then on his 11th birthday, he is suddenly thrust into the magical world of, of witches and wizards. That He learns that he's a wizard. He has his first uh, knowing, conscientious contact with the world and the society that he's originally from. He learns about the attack that he suffered. He learns that his, his parents died. He learns that magic exists. And he is then sent to study at Hogwarts, which is the school that um, wizards go to. Then the story becomes about finding friendship and finding the place that you belong and also coming of age, you know, understanding who you are and all that. And there's a lot of fantasy lore. But then we get to the point that Harry learns that Voldemort is not actually dead. He's just gaining or regaining strength to try to kill him again. Because again, his his um, goal is to become immortal. And he sees Harry as, as his enemy, as the one that will defeat him. And there's a prophecy about it. Again, another biblical thing. There's a prophecy saying that there will... There will come a human that will defeat the greatest evil of the world. And so there's this prophecy. And so Voldemort is trying to kill Harry once and for all. Um, but Harry manages to defeat him, not by using strength, not by using power, just by touching him in the first book. That's what happens. Then in the fourth book, there's another face-off between Voldemort and Harry. They duel and, and Voldemort sends, he attacks with the killing curse once again. He wants to kill Harry. And Harry, how does he fight back? He just defends himself with his signature 
spell, which is Expelliarmus, which is meant to not harm, but just disarm the opponent. So Harry fights off the Killing Curse again in the fourth book by defending himself with the disarming spell. Instead of fighting back, he just defends himself. And Voldemort's spell backfires and Harry doesn't die again. <laughs> then in the fifth book, we learn about the prophecy. And this prophecy basically says that um, they will be equals because Voldemort will mark him as an equal. So they will have basically equal powers. That's not very biblical because good and evil aren't, in Reformed theology at least, they aren't equal. Anyway, God has no true opponent. Voldemort marks Harry as his equal. And in doing that, he, he grants Harry, basically he makes Harry powerful. then. So the prophecy that is said about Harry and, and Voldemort goes on like this. Um, Voldemort will mark him as his equal, but he will have power that Voldemort does not know. And either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. So this prophecy, one has to defeat the other. It can't be anyone else. And this boy, this person that will defeat Voldemort will have a power that Voldemort does not know. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but this power is love. Yeah, so Voldemort. Going, I'm going all over the place, okay? So Voldemort, in his quest for immortality, he went so deep into the dark. He went so deep into dark arts and, and evil stuff that he started doing what is called horcruxes. And to do a horcrux, to make a horcrux, you need to essentially kill someone. And the act of killing someone rips your soul apart. It actually divides your soul into pieces. And if you do that enough times, your soul just becomes disintegrated. So again, that's another great parallel with, with how the Christian theology understands the human nature, that evil and sin, they corrupt your soul, right? So Voldemort, in his quest for power through, through defeating death, he didn't want to accept death, he wanted to conquer death. But he went about this path, he went about this goal by killing people and making horcruxes and the horcrux is actually you you trap a piece of your soul into an object and so when you when you when you die and you have a horcrux your soul doesn't entirely leave this plane of existence it doesn't die effectively you can still remain alive through the piece of soul that was in the horcrux so voldemort goes on to make quite a few horcruxes. So he kills a lot of people and he makes the important deaths. 
he turns into Horcruxes, and he wanted Harry's death to be his final Horcrux, and that would mean that he conquered death. But he failed, as I mentioned in the beginning. He tried to kill Harry, and Harry survived. That is a mystery that is only solved when we understand the power of love. So, this is one point, is that Harry Potter's story is... It truly conveys that love is the strongest magic of all. And the Christian parallel we can make with that is that God's love through Jesus' coming and through Jesus' dying and resurrecting was out of love for us. So that is the most powerful thing, right? So it's the most powerful magic. Love the love that Jesus showed on the cross is the most powerful magic of all, and it's real. How did Harry survive the killing curse we'll get to that in a minute first let's get to the climax of the story which is in the seventh book harry is hunting horcruxes and trying to destroy them because he wants to get voldemort to a state of existence that he isn't tethered to this world anymore and he and he can actually be killed because that's what the prophecy requires is that Harry must kill Voldemort, or Voldemort must kill Harry. So Harry is putting Voldemort back in the in the in the same playing field, right? And there are these things in in the story, which are the Deathly Hallows, and these, as the story goes, these Deathly Hallows are three pieces, three different objects, and they were, as the tale goes, um, they were given by death to a trio of brothers called the Peveril brothers and the person that can gather these three different objects will be the master of death. What are these objects? The first one is a very powerful wand. Is the wand that conquers all wands. It's the ultimate wand, the elder wand. So it's the most powerful, it can defeat anyone else and all that. So that's the first object. The second object is the resurrection stone, which gives the holder the the power to see the love his loved ones that have already departed he can interact with them again but it doesn't effectively bring them from the dead it's just a manifestation the third object is the invisibility cloak which harry already has because he got it from his father and this invisibility cloak allowed the brother that originally received it from death to evade death and, and really hide from it until his old age. And then he embraced death as his old friend. When he got to the time that he was meant to die, he didn't fear it. He didn't run away from death. He embraced it as his old friend and passed on the invisibility cloak to his um, descendants. And Harry gets that because he is a descendant from that third brother, the youngest brother. So... Harry is hunting these Deathly Hollows. Actually, he comes across the Deathly Hollows. He doesn't pursue them. And he effectively then becomes 
the master of death because he has the possession of all three objects. He's the master of the three objects. But what he pursued, actually, what he chose when he when he was presented the choice of do you want power or do you want to to weaken the enemy? Do you want to defeat the enemy? Do you want the power of the Deathly Hollows, or do you want the deeper, more challenging thing of making Voldemort human again? And that would be haunting Horcruxes. And he chooses to haunt the Horcruxes instead of the power of the Hollows. He goes on to haunt Horcruxes with the help of his friends. He doesn't do it alone. And then the story culminates in the Battle of Hogwarts. So Voldemort gathers his army, his dark army, all the dark wizards and all that, um, and beasts and a lot of ugly creatures. And he goes on to attack Hogwarts, where the good guys are located and assembling. He goes on to attack, and the good guys are, are defending themselves and attacking back, and all that is a whole battle. And then Harry understands something. He understands that. It's a little bit before, but for, for the sake of, of the climax. <laughs> he understands that he only survived the killing curse when he was one year old because his mother sacrificed herself to save him. There you go. That's a very, very clear parallel. So Lily Porter, seeing that Voldemort was going to attack her son um Voldemort gave her the choice you can walk away I'm not gonna kill you I just want your child and she said no I'm not gonna let you have my child I will die before you get to my child and the act of of sacrificing willingly sacrificing to save her child cast a protective spell of love, of sacrificial love that protected Harry from being killed by Voldemort. And so he understands that, and then Harry is faced with the choice. In the in the height of the of the Battle of Hogwarts, Harry is faced with the choice. Voldemort gave him an ultimatum. The good guys were losing the battle. People were being killed. And then Voldemort says, Harry, you you can come out here, man, and I'll stop killing everyone. Just come here so I can kill you in front of everyone. And no one else has to die. You are the only one that has to die. And so Harry goes. As the master of death, conquering the hollows. Having um, destroyed all of the horcruxes with the help of his friends. He goes on, he goes on to face Voldemort alone, unarmed. And he willingly lays down his life to be killed by Voldemort. And Voldemort strikes the killing curse. And he is sent to this limbo type of space. And then he has the choice in this limbo type of space. He has the choice like, hey, do you want to go on to a peaceful existence without this chaos anymore? Or do you want to go back? And he chooses to go back. First, he chooses to die to save everyone else and then he chooses to come back a second time to continue living alongside his friends and loved ones and continuing 
the defeat of evil. Can you see the parallels? So then Harry goes back to life in the middle of the battle. So there's this battle going on, good and evil, Voldemort and the good guys, and Harry returns to life. That's a very clear parallel right there. So these are the main ones. Those that I that I mentioned up to now are the main ones. And honestly, I do see a lot of good ways of, of bringing that up in conversations. Yeah. There are three um, minor details, minor parallels that I want to mention. three minor details that I also want to cover. Um, one of Harry's allies betrays him. This friend that Harry trusted just betrays him. That's Xenophilius Lovegood. Yeah, minor, minor character, but this betrayal is important. The other point would be that, Harry, that Voldemort has um, a snake that goes with him like wherever he goes it's a very important snake nagini that's the name but the the plot twist is that nagini the snake is actually a horcrux so a little bit of voldemort's soul is in the snake i think that's a good that's a good pointer to to the story of genesis where um the snake tricked but the snake tricked eve and the, the third point, the third minor minor point would be that Voldemort kept saying, no, if, if only Harry comes out, if you deliver Harry to me, then the war will be over, you will be spared. And then when Harry is, when Harry is apparently dead, Voldemort doesn't just quit. You know, he just doesn't just stop. He wants more. He was lying about making the war end if Harry was delivered to him. I'm not really sure how to how to wrap this up, but I don't know, man. I really like the story. I think there are many, many, many important things that we can be, that we can talk about. To me, the one that that gets me the most is Harry choosing to sacrifice himself, and I'm just always reminded of Jesus um, in that moment because I mean he didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't have to do that. He did that out of love. And he did that out of love, not for perfect people, but for very, very broken, very weird, very ungrateful, bitter, and fumbling people. Yeah. So, my my final thing would be, my final thought, my final point would be, do you, listener, have you ever, have you ever seen a parallel like that? Have you ever come across a pop culture story or song or whatever that wasn't aimed, wasn't created with the purpose of spreading the gospel message, but you found it to be pointing to, to God and to the gospel, to the story of the Bible. And if so, let me know. What is what is that story to you? Of course, there is the 
Chronicles of, of Narnia of the world, but Chronicles of Narnia was actually made with the intent of being a an analogy to, to the gospel story. Not taking the merit out of it. It's a great story. I also like it very much. But my, my point was to bring something out of the box, you know, outside of the box and try to see aspects that are good and that point to Jesus. Because we should retain what is good as um, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, but test all things, hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Test all things, put test all things carefully so you can recognize what is good. Hold firmly to that which is good. So I'm, I'm testing Harry Potter and I'm, I'm holding on to what I find good. And if you can provide me with more examples within the Harry Potter story or in other stories or in other pop culture things, please let me know. Yeah, some some housekeeping stuff. I've launched a YouTube channel. There are some episodes uploaded and I'm I'm trying to to post all the ones up to the 10th episode and then get this one going and then we'll we'll keep it going. There will be a YouTube video, though it's not a video of me. <laughs> and there will be the audio only version on every other platform. So if you found us through YouTube, let me know. If you liked it, yeah, leave a comment, leave a like. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. This was another episode of the Origins of Home podcast. If you'd like to leave comments or feedback, you can send us an email over at originsofhomepod at gmail.com. If you'd like to get the show in more people's ears, leaving a review would be lovely. I would also like to encourage you to send this episode to one friend you think will like to hear what we talked about today. You can see useful links for today's episode in the show notes. And that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.